0: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra.
1: And thanks for inviting me into your home, long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Pastor Carl Gallops is here, and we're talking end times prophecy, the Antichrist. The Great Satanic Deception, Carl's new book, Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Khan Job in History. And uh, before the break at the top of the hour, we were talking about the Third Temple, the construction of the Third Temple, which seems so pivotal to end times prophecy. Carl, you are detailing how this is not in the works, at least no plans in Israel, even the, uh, the Temple Institute is not planning on building a third temple, despite millions and billions of dollars being raised from evangelical Christians who think that that is the purpose. And then from the biblical texts, when Paul is talking about the temple, he is not talking about the Temple Mount. He is talking about the body of Christ and the church. So that's where we left off. So what you're saying is, or what the Bible is saying, what what Paul is saying is that when the Antichrist comes, he's not going to set up shop on the Temple Mount, he's going to set up shop inside the church.
0: That's what Paul says. You know, Richard, it's just what the Bible says. And I know it's not what the Left Behind series says. I know it's not what Hal Lindsey says. And, and listen, I know Hal Lindsey, not intimately, personally, but I mean, had some dealings with him and, and some of his best friends. And some of them have contributed material to some of the books I've written over the years. But I know that what I'm saying tonight is a little shocking to people. But when they read the book, they will see scholar after scholar after scholar. For hundreds and hundreds of years, people have been writing about this, screaming the same thing I'm screaming, that Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 and following, you cannot use that verse to say, see there, it says the Antichrist is going to be in a new temple on the Temple Mount in downtown Jerusalem. It does not say that. It does not say that. And Paul even chastises the church at Thessalonica, saying, you, you shouldn't have for me to tell you this. Because I've already written it, and when you go read his writings, you realize over and over, he says, don't you know that you are the temple? Don't you know the church is the temple? Don't you know that we are the body of Christ? And he is the temple, the true temple. He called himself the temple. Destroy this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days. And John says he was talking about his body, that he would resurrect it because he is the temple. He is the holy place. And now we represent him. And Paul is saying, in the last days, That the Antichrist will, his spirit at first, will do this. And brother, we're the first generation. We just saw it happen in 2020, and it's still happening now. The governments of the world shut the churches down. And for the first time in the history of the church in 2,000 years, on Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Sunday represents the defeat of Satan. And on Resurrection Sunday, you would be hard pressed to find a church open anywhere on the planet for the. First
1: when I saw them, Orthodox Easter, they locked, they placed a padlock on the doors of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. The, never had the, been done before.
0: Never. The spirit of Antichrist said, I am God. I am setting myself up in the temple of God proclaiming to be God. Now that's the spirit, the real Antichrist, I mean the person of Antichrist is just right around the corner, I believe. And it's going to be what we're experiencing on steroids according to the Word of God. But this is what Jesus told in his parables in Matthew chapter 13. I spend chapters building up to this because he's the one that spoke about the tares being planted among the wheat. He's the one that talked about the birds of the air coming down and picking the seed off and destroying the work in the midst of it he's the one talking about this gangly unnatural bush with a starting as a mustard seed but growing into this gangly unearthly thing that the birds of the air there we go again the birds of the air whom jesus has already said represents the demonic when he was talking about the sower and just a few breaths later he's telling that parable The birds of the air make their nest in it. It just goes on and on. He says it's like the woman with a yeast. Put a little bit of the yeast in the dough, and it goes through, and it corrupts the whole thing. Jesus is telling the church, look, in the last days, it's going to be horrible. Paul later expounds upon that, and he says, look, in the last days, there'll be doctrines of demons. That will come into the church and people will gather around themselves people teaching things that their itching ears want to hear people will hold to a form of godliness but they'll deny the power thereof i mean we are warned over and over and over and paul told the church in kind of a coded language when he called the church the temple but he had said it in all of his writings before that but he'd said over and over the temple you're the temple your your body's the temple the holy spirit dwells within you the church is the temple jesus is the temple he's the head he's the body we're the body now we represent him and then he says this man of lawlessness First, the spirit. John talks about the spirit of Antichrist is already here, but the Antichrist is on the way. But it will set itself up. And we rounded the corner in 2020 and on the heels of a pandemic. And I write about this in my book that I wrote in 2019 and has a picture of a man with a mask on his face. And by the way, the foreword was written by Pat Boone. And the subtitle is Prepare for the Greatest con Job in History. In March, my book was released. And what was going on? Everything I had written about. The governments of the world were claiming we are God. Not only that, we're going to tell you shut down. Not only that, we're going to tell you when you can open, if you can open, and if you do, how you can open, how many people can come, how you have to dress, how you have to breathe. Do you put on a mask or not put on a mask? Can you have choir practice? Can you sing in your churches? We will let you know. Brother, that's never happened in history, especially on a global scale. Now, things like that have happened in Muslim countries and communist countries and North Korea and China, and the church has gone underground. I mean, yeah, but in the history of the birth of the church in 2,000 years, never has it happened almost overnight, worldwide, and brother, we are still in the throes of it, right in the United States the largest constitutional republic and largest quote christian nation on the planet that the planet's ever seen with a bill of rights and the first amendment saying the government cannot mess with the church and look what the government has done right down to city councils and mayors and governors not counting you know federal decrees and guidelines and pressure and and christians reporting christians to the authorities Church members reporting church members, pastors going to jail in the United States of America, brother, is exactly the foreshadowing of what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians. And I've been preaching this stuff for 35 years. People thought I was crazy. I wrote Masquerade in 2019. I said, people still going to think I'm crazy. And by 2020, it was happening.
1: I want to talk about something that is not in the book, but a lot of people are clamoring about this. Recently, of course, Israel and the United Arab Emirates normalized relations. Also, Bahrain, another Gulf state. They are now talking about another Gulf state, Oman, possibly Kuwait, maybe even Saudi Arabia, signing on to what has been called the Abraham Accord. Peace breaking out in the Middle East. And people, like they say about the Temple Mount, aha! This is a sign of the end times. I believe this goes back to Daniel chapter 27. They call it a false peace, and uh, it is one of those demarcation points. The beginning of the end times, this false peace will be signed in the Middle East, and the countdown clock begins. What are your thoughts on the Abraham Accord? Is this the false peace?
0: Well, it could very well be, and let let me just make some disclaimers here. I have never said that there will not be a third temple. I just say that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, that everybody points to and says, well, see there, it says it right there, that you can't use that verse. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's just not talking about it there. There may be, but there are very few other verses that seem to say there has to be a third temple on the Temple Mount in the last days. When you do that same kind of study on all the words in the Old Testament, New Testament, Daniel, wherever. Now, to get to what you're saying. Yes, we read in the book of Daniel that there again we hear of the antichrist there. There he's called the abomination that causes desolation and this lawless one and the little horn and the, you know and all of these horrible things and he's attacking the people of God, the saints of God. A lot of people say, "Well, see, he's attacking the Jews." But wait a minute. That book is written about the last days. That means our time and beyond. Well, who are the saints? The word saint means separated ones. The only ones who are separated, born again, unto the Lord, who are children of God, are under the blood of Jesus. They are, you call them Christians, whatever, but they're followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody, Jew or Gentile, comes to the Lord but through me. So when Daniel, which is written to the end times, is not written about Israel and about Jews, of course Israel and the Jews are hugely involved in all of this. The whole Middle East, Israel, Jerusalem, I've written to this in many books, no doubt, but but people have got to put this stuff in context. We're talking about last day's prophecy, so we have to understand what has happened in the last days. Well, Jesus went to a cross. He rose from the dead. The church is born. The gospel is being preached for 2,000 years. There has been no temple on the Temple Mount for 2,000 years almost since since 70 A.D. And so, and, and so um, there may be, I mean, I wouldn't, put it past this godless world system to try to make some kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that so many Christians expect to happen, just to mess with the psyche of the planet. I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt that the Antichrist will certainly set himself up in and around the Middle East and maybe even Jerusalem. I wouldn't doubt that. But I'm just saying that we need to quit focusing on looking for a third temple. And we need to focus on declaring the gospel to the world and helping people to see that we are living in the most prophetic time since the first coming of Jesus Christ, and we cannot base our theology based upon novels and movies. We've got to base it upon what God's Word says, what the original languages say, what the context is, what the Old and New Testament fitting together say. And there are passages about the Antichrist making a covenant with many and a lot of the novels and movies say, well, see, that's a peace accord between Israel and the Palestinians or the Arabs. Well, it could be, but the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It says a, he, makes a, he makes a treaty or a, a covenant with many. And in the middle of that covenant, he violates it. He breaks it. And when people are crying out peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. Again, I don't doubt that that could be a covenant with Israel and and the Middle East it could be covenant at the United Nations it could be a covenant with the United States and the and the United Arab Emirates with Israel i mean I, we don't know what it is the bible is clear though that as prophecy is given it is often veiled but it's veiled such that when it happens Then God's people who are there, they will know, they will see it, they will know, and then they will say, oh my gosh, we're the ones. So I'm watching all of this very closely, along with you, Richard, and many of your listeners, because it could very well be this key, this spark, this trigger to this whole prophetic thing of, you know, the travails of Jerusalem in in the last days, and Israel, and the alignment of the nations of Ezekiel 38 to come against Israel. I mean, obviously, these things are already beginning to take shape right before our eyes. But what I do in the book, and I just can't do it here, I don't have the time, is I do the hard work. I do the word studies. I I go to the scholars. I speak to Zev, who speaks Hebrew as his first language and trained to be on the Sanhedrin, brother. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. I, I go straight into the heart of Israel and talk to people who know this stuff, and it's revealed in this book about what's really happening. It is an attack against the demonic attack. It's not about a temple on the Temple Mount. It is against the returned israel which god says over and over and over when i bring them back to the land the nations will know that i am god and i will do this in the last days and even after it's done nations will align themselves to come after israel to destroy it and we're we're the first generation to see it happen it's only been there 72 years the other demonic attack is against the church we're warned over and over jesus warned us in the parables Paul warned them he's going to set himself up in the holy place. He's going to set himself up in the temple of God. And we're told doctrines of demons are going to corrupt. Jesus told us that the birds of the air are going to make their nest in the middle of it. We were warned, and we were warned, and we were warned. And because we've looked at novels and movies for our theology, the church is in the midst of it beginning to happen, and most of the church doesn't even see it. And I'm trying to wake up the church to what is really happening in the world. It's happening in real time. It's happening in double time. And it's not letting up. And more is to come. And most of the church doesn't know it. And in the midst of it, Christians go to social media and trash other Christians, trash their churches, trash their pastors, turn them into the authorities, exactly like Jesus said would happen.
1: I want to back up a little bit and talk about, before we get to the Antichrist, we have to talk about the identity of Satan, the nature of Satan. And I want to start with the name Lucifer. I don't understand where that name came from. Why do we call this fallen angel? Why do we call him Lucifer? Where did that come from?
0: It came from the Latin. It came from the Hebrew translated into Latin, and then in the English translations, the Latin was picked up. But in the Hebrew, it doesn't have the word Lucifer. That's a Latin word. But it goes to this word that means a shining one, but it speaks of a shining one, But the Hebrew word is so rich, and I do a word study in my book, I show you, and again, I mean, I get Zev involved, and he says, Carl, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's exactly what it says in the Hebrew, and that's exactly what it means. And so when you get to Daniel, where it says, how you have fallen from heaven, O day star, and some translations say that. Other translations say, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the dawn how you've been cut to the ground, you've laid the nations low, you've said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven, I will ascend above the stars of God. That's the angels. All through Revelation, we're told the stars of the angels, the stars of the angels. What was my dream about stars falling from the sky? I will ascend above the angels. I will ascend above heaven. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly. And then God goes on to say, but I will bring you down. All right, so how you have fallen from heaven, you shining one, well, that translates to Hebrew, to Latin, Lucifer, the shining one, into English translations. But what that is, that is a disparaging term that God is using. It's like this. If all you did was get on the radio every day and brag about yourself, I would say, you know, oh, Richard Serrett, he just shines on himself all the time. He just he just shines on and on. He, he, he lights his own light. He puts his own lamp up on a, he, you know, he, he, he walks in the room and he thinks that he's the light of the world. That's what's being said here. God is, 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 is disparaging him. How you have fallen from heaven, you shining one, you braggart, you, you, you prideful, arrogant one how you 've been cut down to the ground, you say in your heart, "I will ascend to heaven, I will ascend above the angels of God, but I will cut you down, I will bring you down in the presence of the nations so that 's what that 's talking about it's 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 not some kind of a of an accolade to him now, some people will look in in, in the New Testament, and this is where the title of my book comes from, Masquerade, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where it says, But even Satan himself will masquerade as an angel of light. And they say, well, see, there it is, angel of light. Yeah, but what does it say? He will masquerade as one. Why? Because he's not one. He is not an angel of light yeah but Daniel says he is no Daniel's not saying that we're reading an English translation, but the Hebrew word is used as a pejorative it's used to as as to speak of a braggart
1: right. who shines so it's not a, it's not a name, it's an adjective
0: yes yes exactly so so there is one of the first misnomers about Satan, and I've had deep conversations with Zeb about this again, this is his first language. And, and and I started uncovering this stuff, and I went straight to him. I said, am I wrong on this? He said, oh, no. He said, I've been te- teaching this in Israel for decades. He says, but m- most of the Christian church doesn't want to hear it because they've got their own little traditions about what it means. And he says, but no, you're absolutely right, Carl. He said, every Jew in Israel will tell you that what that word means in Hebrew. It doesn't mean what the American Christians try to make it mean. <laughs> so it's just crazy, brother. There's just so much misconception out there and I'm not trying to disparage anyone and I'm certainly not trying to say I've got all truth I don't I'm still learning that's why I go to the experts I go to people like Zev and others who speak the language who've studied to be Hebrew rabbis and and you know who are connected to that culture deeply and I'm always bouncing stuff off of them saying look am I anywhere near the truth on this before I put it in print and what I'm trying to do brothers is just wake the church up satan is real he is interdimensional he's been around since almost well the beginning of time as far as we know it but 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 you know he's created god created him
1: but okay i've got he, a i've he, got a carl pardon the interruption I've got to take another time yeah, out we'll yeah, come sure. back and continue to delve into uh satan who is he and uh, further the uh, the great satanic deception back with more of my conversation with carl gallups when the conspiracy show returns You're listening to the conspiracy show with Richard Serrett. Masquerade prepare for the greatest con job in history that's the title of Carl Gallup's latest and uh, we are talking about uh, end times prophecy the antichrist satan um so you you explained where the name lucifer came from it's not his name uh fun. it's it's a, it's an adjective he's a he's a braggart mm-hmm. yeah um
0: the word actually comes from "halal halal" in Hebrew. "Hallel" uh, is one form of the word "halal," and and that's where we get "hallelujah" from. So it 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 can mean in its root form to praise, but used in the form that is used there in Daniel, it means to praise oneself, to brag, to shine his own light to give praise to himself. Oh, 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 halal, you you braggart. Yeah, that's what it means. And and again, Zeb, who speaks it as his original language, he said, Carl, I've been trying to get people to see this for decades. He says that you're exactly right. That's exactly what it means. That's how we use those words and how we understand them today in the Hebrew.
1: Okay, so how did Satan come to be in the garden. How did he set up shop there, and then obviously uh, pulled this great ultimate deception on Adam and Eve that got this whole ball rolling, but how did he end up there to begin with?
0: You know, Ezekiel 28 tells us, and there are other hints throughout the Scriptures, even in the New Testament, but Ezekiel 28 just flat tells us. God says there, he's speaking, he says, I created you. From the day you were created, you were the most beautiful, the most. and I'm paraphrasing here, but you can look it up, Ezekiel 28, and it starts off as a lament against the king of Tyre, but then it transforms. This is what's known as a uh, compound prophecy, and I write about that, and I show the experts, the scholars who understand this theological term of compound prophecy and starts off against the king of Tyre, but then what God is showing us is that the wickedness behind the king of Tyre, is demonic, and it's more than demonic, it's Satan himself who has inhabited this man. So then he turns and he speaks to Satan, and he says, from the moment you were created, you were created perfect, perfection, nothing was any better, any smarter, any more beautiful than you. And then he goes on to say, and I placed you in the garden. You were my guardian cherub. He was one of the cherubim. Ezekiel tells us the cherubim are the living creatures. We get to Revelation, and we see four living creatures surrounding the throne giving praise to God. Praise, there you go, from halal, there you go. So instead of giving praise to God, this halal gives praise to himself, thus Lucifer. And so Ezekiel 28, God says, I put you in the garden, but there you profaned it profaned it. That comes from another Hebrew word, chalal, which means just filth. You turned it into filth. It could have sexual connotations. It can have anything that's just filthy and perverse. He said, you chalaled it. You turned it into this nasty place. You you led my creation to sin. And because of that, I cast you out. And because of that, I'll tell you what Ezekiel 28 says. I'm just going to put it in plain English. He says, and in the end of everything, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. I will reduce you to ashes, and you will be no more because of what you did in the Garden. So the bottom line is, God knew all of this from the beginning, and I write about that in great detail in Gods of the Final Kingdom, which came right before this book, Masquerade, and I write about it again in Masquerade some. But to answer your question, that's where it kind of all started. Satan was around before the Garden of Eden was created, and was a right-hand man, if you will, around the throne of god and was entrusted as kind of the governor if you will or the prince of the entire creation he was the prince of the garden the prince of the earthly creation but he decided he wanted it for himself and Isaiah 14 tells us that. He says, that's when God calls him, you braggart, you shining one, you give praise to yourself. You say, I'm going to be like God. I will ascend to the Most High. I will have the angels worshiping me. I will have the whole earth worshiping me. And when we get to the New Testament, book of Revelation, what do we find? In Revelation 13, Satan enters in gives his power to a man who becomes what we know as the Antichrist or the man of lawlessness or the beast who rules the world, who demands worship and marking systems and attacks the saints of God. And I mean, it's all right there when you put the story together and connect the dots contextually And again, I appeal to dozens of scholars who see the same stuff. They've written to this for hundreds of years. I go all the way back to the early church. The earliest scholars were writing about it. They saw it. The problem is the modern church has sanitized almost everything we're talking about tonight. It's been sanitized. Doctrines of demons have infiltrated. It's all about building empires, making money, getting fame. There's that corruption, that demonic corruption, and it rounds the corner in 2020. And the governments of the world say boo to the churches and the pastors and the churches. Shutter the doors, put chains and locks on them, and run and hide. Now, now I'm not right. being disparaging. In some places, in some areas, they pretty much had no choice other than just everybody be killed. Or in some places, they had no choice because, uh, because the, 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 the the virus was just so contained within that. New York City. If I had a church in Manhattan in the early days of COVID, I probably would have shut my doors, too, until we got a grip on what was really happening. So I'm not disparaging individual pastors and churches. I'm describing the global phenomena of what did happen and what's still happening.
1: Right. Satan so, said,
0: boo, through the, through the governments of the world, which he controls most of them, one way or the other. He is the prince of this world. He is the God, little g, of this age. The Bible says, Jesus says, Peter says, Paul says. And he said, boo. And the temple of God, in the last days, the church, obeyed. And, brother, so that I- has never happened before in the history right.
1: of the church but here we are I add, so when you see what's happening now when we all see what's happening now with the pandemic and uh, the strife in the streets and so forth uh does that indicate to you that we are that what they call jacob's troubles or the tribulation the seven-year period uh leading into the end times does that yes indicate that we have, that Jacob's troubles have begun? Are we now in the midst of the tribulation?
0: No, I, listen, I, I know people have all kinds of isms and schisms and, and PowerPoints and charts and graphs and maps, and I I just don't get into that. I just go by what the Bible says in context and where we are, and yes, we're in the leading edges of it. It's building to that the Antichrist as a person has not appeared and and started kind of running the kings of the earth in that kind of way yet, but can't you see the types of it don't you don't don't we understand for the first time in the history of the church? We we've 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 shuttered our doors, we've we've hidden in corners, we've shaken in our boots and we're doing everything the government tells us or the fake media tells us and the nations are aligning against Israel and Israel is hated, churches are hated, pastors are hated, Christians hating each other. I mean, brother, all of those things are described in the Bible as the leading edges or the beginning of the days of tribulation. So I'm not willing to say the tribulation is already here, we're already in the midst of, but the word tribulation, I know you're talking about the great tribulation, those last seven years that it seems the Bible seems to speak of, but the word tribulation comes from the Greek word "thlipsis" and it means pressure, mounting pressure to the point of bursting, to the point of people having heart attacks. Well, Jesus said that he said, "The last days, people are gonna, people are gonna faint." In uh, the, the King James, but it means they're gonna die. They're gonna die from heart attacks because of the terror that's coming upon the earth. And 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 I've written about this in a book I've got coming out in November. I've gone through and documented in the middle of this 2020 COVID, suicide rates have gone through the roof around the world. Depression and the prescription medications of of. Uh, antidepressants gone through the roof its epidemic this thing called social isolation syndrome your audience can look it up it's a global phenomena people are killing themselves people are drugging themselves and out of out of their minds, because they're going crazy with social isolation, wearing masks everywhere, government telling them what to do, they can't go to church they and if they do go they can, they got to wear a mask, they can't sing they can't and and people are freaking out, and the Bible said that this would happen, and it's never happened to a global generation ever before we're living in the midst of it, and most of the church doesn't even see it so yes, you're on to something uh Richard. It's, it's building, it's building, it's building. That flips us, this pressure. It's mounting, it's mounting. We're getting very, very close to some more prophetic things bursting upon the scene, I do believe.
1: All right, we will take another time out. We've opened up the phone lines. I'm back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away.
0: Take a look around. What do you really see? This
2: is
1: where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Carl Gallup stays with us. The new book is Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. I want to get into maybe some more uh, evidence. We may be uh, on the cusp or entering into the the Great Tribulation uh, and... Uh, Indicative of that would be this World Watch Institute Global Population Reduction Study. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, I want to go into the I want to go to the phones, and uh, we have Skip joining us from Connecticut. Skip, good evening, good yeah, morning, uh, welcome. I, I
2: want to bring up a couple of items. One was the uh, to some people's interpretation of the Bible, uh, the, neph- the, uh, Nephilim. the Nephilim, or the Nephilim. Right, Nephilim were trying to corrupt the seed to Jesus by uh, uh, mating with human woman. And that's one reason for the flood, to destroy that corrupt seed. Now, today you're hearing about altering people's DNA. So I'm wondering if you see anything with that. And my second item would be uh, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9, says that they proceeded from evil to evil. So that was like the telltale sign. It wasn't like they had a bad month or a bad week. They just jumped from evil to evil. And he brought up singing. Gavin Newsom, outlawed singing. But just in Church, supposedly. You know, I don't think he can legally do this in outlawed. Home Bible studies in California, which has forty million people, but he also targeted surfers, individual surfers, and people barbecuing. So, who who are these people?
0: Well, yeah, can I speak to that, uh, Richard? Yes, please. Okay, yeah, Skip. Thanks for listening, man. Thanks for calling from Connecticut. I hear the Connecticut accent. I was raised in Michigan for a few years in, in, in my early life, so. I'm familiar with that. It's great to have you. Hey, listen, excellent questions. People ask these questions all the time. Listen, I've written extensively to the Nephilim, and yes, you're, you're on to something there. Genesis 6, of course, says, and in those days, the sons of God, and that every time that phrase is used, uh, B'nai Elohim in Hebrew, there's only it's only used specifically that way about five or six times in the entirety of the Scriptures, Genesis, Job, and in the Psalms, and every time that specific phrase is used, it's all always translated as angels or divine beings, except in most modern translations of Genesis 6-4, because it's too freaky to consider that somehow there was some kind of interaction between angelic beings and human women, and the church doesn't want to hear it in 2020 in America, where we just want fluff and sugar and sweet, and so we sanitize it. And the translations are more than glad to just leave it as sons of God and let the pastors and preachers argue over it. But in every other verse where that phrase is used in the Bible, the exact words, b'nei Elohim, it's always translated as angels. So there obviously before the flood if you interpret it contextually and correctly there was some class of angelic being that either could have relations with humans or was manipulating that whole process somehow with technology intellect at that Satan promised Adam and Eve, said, look, you can be like the gods, you can know what we know, if you can just, you know, just kind of do this thing with us, whatever it was. And I write about this in Gods of Ground Zero, I write about it in Gods and Thrones, Gods of the Final Kingdom, even in Masquerade, I touch on it again. So you're right, and listen, here's the deal, Skip. Not only does the Bible say those things that most of us would think as being rather freaky, but you got to remember, before the flood, we don't know. Listen, in the Garden of Eden... Uh, humans and the divine realm actually interacted with each other. Satan was in the garden. Uh, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. Satan told them, you can be like the rest of us, the gods, little G, that's the Elohim, that's the angels. Uh, Well, how could Adam and Eve know what that would be like if they didn't interact with them, if they didn't know them? Of course they did. And so before the flood came, it was a whole different world. It, was, it started in perfection and then became corrupt, but it became so evil to evil, as you said, Skip, that God pushed the reset button and destroyed everything. Now get this, Skip. You get to the New Testament, and Jesus says in Luke 17 and Matthew 24, he says, and the last days, just before the coming of the Son of Man, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah. And then he adds this caveat, and it will be just like it was in the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And, he, and, and then he says and one of the defining features, people will just in the middle of it happening, they will go on with their lives, eating and drinking and giving them marriage and pretending like they don't see what's happening right up until the day the flood came and destroyed them all. So you're right, Skip. We are the first generation on the planet, since the flood, that the entire globe now is wrapped up, and mainly it's because of technology. In going from evil to evil, we're corrupting flesh over, all over again. That's what Genesis 6 said. That that's why God destroyed it then, because all flesh had become corrupt, animal and human. I mean, he put, he put eight humans on the ark, And he put animals, certain animals that God brought to Noah. Noah did not go out and collect those animals. The Bible says three different times in Genesis, God brought them to him. I'm convinced those were the ones that weren't corrupted in their DNA. God knows who was corrupted and what animals and what humans were not.
1: We're we're just about heading into the break here. but uh, You're
0: you're right. You're right. And Jeremiah speaks of it too. Evil to evil speaks of the days of Noah. Thanks, Skip.
1: Okay, thank you, Skip. When we come back, uh, I want to follow up on, on Skip's second point, and that had to do with the alteration of DNA and yeah. whether that might be playing into this because they are that. talking about a new line of vaccines that are sort yeah. of DNA, RNA-type RNA, vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we'll uh, that'll be first order of business on the other side. Carl Gallup's my guest, and we'll continue to uh, take calls as well as we talk about the satanic deception right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
1: Ah, uh, you know, there's just no two ways about it. I need a four-hour show. <laughs> we can't cram all of this in, but uh, um, Carl, uh, Skip from Connecticut. So <laughs> no, no, no. We just—it's—it's it's all good. But uh, Skip from Connecticut had a follow-up question, and that had to do with uh, changes to our DNA. And of yeah. course, uh, back in well 2018, the New York Times was wrote a, a, an article. So this isn't. Pie in the sky conspiracy stuff. The New York Times is talking about the, the this new generation of vaccines, uh, DNA uh, and RNA yeah. vaccines, gene based vaccines uh, that will. Well, they call the RNA sort of messenger yeah. RNA uh, uh, vaccines. They will they will basically turn our bodies into vaccine factories. Yes, exactly. So that's where we're heading. So it's- I'm wondering if that plays into. Uh, the satanic deception.
0: I think it very well could, and let me explain and put this in in, my, in context. A lot of this is based upon my opinion, but I think it's a learned opinion. I'm, 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 I'm kind of a science geek, and, and I, you know, I am educated in the sciences, so I'm not stupid in this, but I'm also very, you know, of course, deeply involved in the Word of God and its proper interpretation, preaching and the, teaching it for almost 40 years, writing all these books and doing media. So, that's why i say a learned opinion i think i think you're right brother look i am not one of these guys that every time something new technologically wise comes along that i go that's evil that's that's of the devil as a matter of fact i'm kind of the opposite i'm a techno geek i love all the gadgets my, my wife calls me inspector gadget I, I i like i like technology i love technology but the problem is because I'm a believer, because I know God's word, and because I I study and research and I do these interviews and I have to be up on what's going on in the world, I also know we live in a fallen world. And if we were a world full of benevolent people, then producing a vaccine using the alteration of our own genome, (laughs) our own DNA structure through the RNA messenger delivery system, I think that would be really cool. The problem is, brother, this world is so evil, and there are evil people looking for every advantage they can find militarily uh you know manipulatively to manipulate populations to to get rid of billions of us as you mentioned earlier there are great uh you know global plans to do that they write about it openly Bro, this is not conspiracy stuff anymore they talk about it openly world leaders i've got all this documented in several of my books and so now we're we've we've created the planet has created a problem covid-19 and 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 what i mean by that is look it's, it's an upper respiratory virus, and it's bad to a certain demographic. It's really bad. But it's not the bubonic plague. It's not the black plague. It's not even the Spanish flu of 1918. Yet they've seized upon it because the first time in history we now have a global information communication system that we can transport fear and panic to the world overnight. And they found their trigger, and they did it. They shut the churches. They shut down major economies. They've ruined people's lives. Um, uh, They've put people on drugs and alcohol because of it, and and the, the, the isolation syndrome, driving people out of their minds, suicide through the roofs. All of this has happened for the first time, and then they come up with a solution. We've got a vaccine. Well, okay, so we don't have to worry about it, that's right. And this vaccine has never been used wide-scale on human beings, ever. But yet they're ready to roll it out, ready to give it to us. Well, what is it? They've been experimenting, as you said correctly, for years. Uh, Mainstream media has been reporting on it. They've been gushing about it. And in a benevolent world, I would gush with them, because I'm always looking for ways to make humanity not have to suffer so much. That's cool. But... What are they doing? They're, they're delivering information. They've learned how to manipulate not only genetic and genetic splicing and CRISPR-Cas9, but now the RNA, the message delivery system that takes messages to the rest of the DNA to, as you said beautifully, to turn our own DNA into a vaccine-producing factory. Well, that sounds pretty cool, except that, first of all, it's never been done wide scale on humans. And now we're going to do it for an upper respiratory virus. And here's the thing I tell people, I know COVID-19 is not the common cold. Bottom line, though, it comes from the same virus. It's like it's like the flu and then you know H1N1 and all these other various strains of it. Some of them are like the flu on steroids. Well, COVID-19 is like the cold on steroids. They both come from coronavirus. Well, we don't have a vaccine for the common cold. The common cold. So how can we come up with a vaccine in months for the super bug of coronavirus that was supposed to basically kill half the world? Well, of course, we live in a different technological age. Our technology has gone, you know, uh, it has been advanced so much. So, of course, things have advanced. But you're right. And and Skip is right. It's like this corruption of flesh, and there are people wanting to do it, and they're wanting to track us. They're wanting to put digital uh, uh, tattoos, biological tattoos within the vaccines. I don't know if they will. They're talking about making them mandatory. Of course, our president just the other day said, we will not make this mandatory. Well, that's good. I don't think Donald Trump will. But who's coming in office after him? I mean, so once you let that cat out of the bag, once you open Pandora's box, where are we going with this? And
1: so, but what does that? What? How does the changing our DNA play into Satan's end game?
0: Well, uh, from what I've read, uh, of what I know from the Bible and what I have uh, read uh, about uh, the changing DNA, I'm sure you have done shows, or I know you're aware of it, whether you've done shows or not on it, on the whole study and understanding of epigenetics. Where we can actually our environment, the things that we uh, invest our mind in and, and 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 make a part of our life, and the things that we uh, do to ourselves, it actually changes coding within our DNA structure. It doesn't change exactly who we are, but or you know, as far as our DNA goes, but epigenetics, you know, below beneath, like an epidural below the skin epigenetics even deeper into the genome it actually changes we're just now discovering this truth that we can our DNA changes and some of it we can pass on to future generations isn't that what God's Word said so that that we can pass our sin from generation to generation if we don't get rid of it don't repent of it if we don't bring it under the blood of Jesus the Bible tells us this now we're discovering that guess what we really can. And so now what you're talking about, yes, could it be a part of of the end game of of the antichrist? I don't see how it couldn't be, brother. The Bible talks about taking marks. What are these marks? We don't know, but we know that you take the mark because you're willing to worship the beast. I remember reading just a year or two ago, that scientists were all giddy about the fact that they're learning how to turn switches off and on within the DNA structure, the so-called junk DNA they've now discovered is not junk at all, which is what I've been screaming for decades and called a science denier. Now scientists are saying there's no junk there. These are switches that have been turned off, and we're learning how to turn them back on that makes you kind of wonder if they weren't turned off at the flood, if the, at the garden curse. Who knows? But God knows. But the thing is, one of the things they said, we have found the switch that we believe. Now listen to this, Richard, and you can go on the Internet and research it. We believe that messing with this switch will enable us to have a person programmed where they will no longer have the desire to worship God or to worship any god. It's like a switch wow. that's in our DNA. Now, when you think about that, and you think about vaccines that mess with the messenger systems of the DNA, and you think about epigenetics in our environment and the things that we ingest and the things that we do and the things that we immerse ourselves in, and you think about CRISPR-Cas9 and the biological cut and snipping paste process of, and, and you think about you know the hybrids between humans and animals, the chimeras, chimeras. Uh, All of these different things that are happening, you think about the militarization of these things, you think about DARPA working with this stuff, then you go read Revelation 13, and it's a whole different light. Why? Because we're living in a whole different world. The planet has never been where we are right now. The corruption of all flesh is upon us, and it's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen.
1: Carl, how do we very quickly listen to you on uh, the radio?
0: Yeah, just go to my website, CarlGallops.com. Everything there is about me. Live streams are there. Call-in numbers where you can call my show. They're all there. Everything is there. CarlGallops.com.
1: CarlGallops.com. Yeah. Masquerade, prepare for the greatest con job in history. Carl, always a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, the pleasure's mine, Richard. Thank you and your amazing audience.
1: God bless you. God bless you. Bye for now. All right, uh, back next week with a brand new program. The Honorable Paul Hellier will be here for the first hour. Victor Vigiani and I, as well, will talk about UFOs. What else? In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.